Learning from 30 Years of Africa Christian Action. You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Nehemiah was the book that inspired the launch of Africa Christian Action and the need to rebuild the walls. Now it said that, uh, this is very insulting, but this is the way they gave it in military intelligence army, 5% of the people make things happen. And you can just think of those who make things happen, the Martin Luther's and John Calvin's, the John Knox's, the great preachers of the past, give me Scotland or I die, David Livingston, who set the captives free. There are 5% of the people who make things happen. There are 15% of people who watch things happen. In fact, sometimes I'm not even sure what's happening. Uh, I'm sure that chap's trying to indicate, far over there, if you look at the bush, you might see a line. <laughs> they don't see the one right next to them. 80% of the people don't have a clue what happened. Well, in February 1991, Africa Christian Action was launched. Its first campaign was against the blasphemous Jesus Christ Superstar play being shown at Nico Milan Theatre, which is now the Artscape. Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16, inspired a first name. Before we were Africa Christian Action, we were actually called Salt Shakers. And somebody after a while complained that that sounded more like a youth group or something. And so we needed a more respectable name. We changed it from Salt Shakers to Africa Christian Action. This is the first team of ACA. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is the inspiration of what we're trying to do. Preserve what is good and expose what is bad. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Love for God and love for neighbor should inspire everything we do in Africa Christian Action. Isaiah 62 says, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, and they shall never hold their peace day or night. You make mention, Lord, do not keep silent. We're called to an ongoing ministry of intercession to lift up the people in our communities and our neighbors. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices. In fact, there's one slogan for mission conferences which I really love. Let the earth hear his voice. It's so important that we are not silent, that we speak out. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old ways, where the good ways and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Also, I've set watchmen over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. It's so important for us to broadcast what needs to be done. That's why we have a recording studio here, and radio has been an important part of work early. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Ezekiel 33 is a very solemn, serious warning to us. The watchmen were key figures in ancient Israel. Large watchtowers were placed overlooking the fields of agriculture, and the men would stand, watch, guarding the fields, which contained the community's basic food supply. And the watchmen need to be alert to any threat, whether from animals or thieves or from fire. And the watchmen also have to be alert to any possible threats of invasion. 
And the watchmen on the walls of a fortified town were to monitor all their approaches and at the sign of any threat, they would sound the alarm so that the town could shut its gates and prepare to defend against any attack. Now, a vigilant watchman would observe the daily life of the community. He'd see the activity in the streets. He could see the markets, and he'd know the people. He'd know their work. He'd know their habits. He'd know their lifestyle. If his tower was near the city gates, he would also observe the business of the city conducted by its officials, which was done at the city gates. God uses this role of the watchman to illustrate the responsibilities of a minister to both comment on the conduct of a society and to deliver messages of warning and of instruction. The word of God declares that we who have received the word of God must give warning to the wicked. The danger of God's judgment falling on wickedness is a far more serious danger than that of an invading army threatening a city. You may be able to defend your city against a foreign invader. However, no one can escape the scrutiny of an all-knowing, everywhere present, all-wise God. No one can escape judgment from an omnipresent God. No one can have any hope of victory in a war against Almighty God. The prophets of God had a solemn, serious duty to deliver a most sober and serious message. Unless the citizens of Israel acknowledged their sins and turned away from their sin, repented and resolutely obeyed the word of God, they would die in their sins. However, regardless of how any individual responded to the warning, if they hear the message, the prophet has fulfilled his duty and is no longer responsible. Duty is ours. The results are in God's hands. However, if the messenger failed to deliver the warning, their blood would be required at his hand. This is solemn, this is serious. We dare not be silent, compromising, or cowardly in this world war of worldviews that we're involved in. Again, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, if he turns from his sin and does what is lawful and right, if the wicked restores the pledge and gives back what he has stolen, if he walks in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live, he shall not die. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he shall die because of it. But when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is lawful and right, he shall live because of it. Now, when we started to warn people in 1991, pornography is in the supermarkets. They're wanting to legalize abortion. Many government schools are beginning to promote secular evolution and situation ethics and humanism and sex education programs are coming. And the interfaith movement and gender confusion. Who could have foreseen that in 1990s? That's more new. The gay agenda witchcraft, even occultism coming into society, the response of many, many people was just preach the gospel. Now this response often seemed like an excuse for disobedience to the clear commands of scripture, an excuse for doing nothing. Do we really believe that Jesus would have us stand passively by while God-hating pagans exploit women made in the image of God to degrade what God is meant to be holy make public what God is meant to be private, make common what God is meant to be special, corrupting young minds and morals and ruining marriages, just preach the gospel has often been used as an excuse to justify laziness or cowardice. Would God have us stand idly by while some murderer rips the arms and legs off a baby and crushes its head? That's what abortion is. By the way, that's just a blob of tissue. That's not a human being according to our pro-choice friends. 
If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Deliver those who are drawn towards death. Hold back those stumbling towards the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart consider it? He who keeps his soul, does he not know it? Will he not render to each man according to his deeds? Proverbs 24 became another major inspiration for the work of ACA. Which servant of God in the Bible limited himself to just preaching the gospel? Was Elijah wrong to confront and expose the pornographic child-sacrificing prophets of Baal? Was John the Baptist wrong to have publicly confronted the immorality of King Herod? Could our Lord have been in error when he confronted the corruption in the temple? Why did he overturn the tables and drive out the corrupt money changers? Why didn't our Lord just preach the gospel? In Matthew 25, our Lord Jesus made it clear that on the day of judgment, we will be judged for sins of omission, for the good that we failed to do. The parable of the Good Samaritan with its go and do likewise, and the coming day of judgment described in Matthew 25 by our Lord, he warns that we will be judged on the base of what we did not do rather than just the sins we did. Because if we have not cared for the sick and fed the hungry and clothed the naked and visited prisoners and welcomed strangers, whatever you did not do unto one of the least these, my brethren, you did not do it to me. Whatever you did unto one of the least these, you did it to me. This confirms we're all commanded to do far more than just preach the gospel. We're obligated. This is a famous picture. This picture won the Pulitzer Prize of 1994, taken by South African photojournalist Kevin Carter, who incidentally was born the same year I was, 1960. He also went to South African Army, but there our paths differed. He deserted, he became a drug addict, uh, he got into all sorts of things, and uh, this man, 1993, went to Sudan on his first and only visit, and he was only there for about two hours uh, while his plane, his chartered aircraft, waited in the, on the airstrip, and he was looking for a photo op. And then he saw this little girl crawling towards the village, about 300 yards from the airstrip. And he focused up, found a good position in the shade of a tree, he focused up, took a light reading, and he said he had to wait for an hour but as that vulture hopped in the background, he knew he had an award-winning picture. He went to New York, he got the Pulitzer Prize, which is like the Academy Awards of Photojournalism, and then people start to ask these awkward questions, like, what happened to the little girl in the picture? Well, I don't know, said Kevin Carter. Well, what's the story? How did you get the picture? Well, there he was in Sudan. He, is, uh, he saw this, he took the picture, and people said, well, what did you do after you took the picture? I sat under the tree, he said, I smoked a cigarette, and I cursed God. He cursed God. He blamed God for what he is personally responsible for. This little girl weighed less than his camera equipment. He could have carried us 300 yards. She could have got flown to Lokachokyo, where there's a Red Cross hospital, could have been put in an IV drip, she might have survived. But all Kevin Carter carried into Sudan was his cameras. All he left behind in Sudan were cigarette stubs. All he took out of Sudan was his, this photo. When you look at this picture, you need to think, whatever you did not do unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you did not do it to me. It's a serious thing to walk by on the other side of the road and not help someone in need. We are called to reach out to strangers, to minister in the schools, to 
love our neighbor, to even love strangers, to do what we can to do what Christ commanded, to go and preach the gospel and to heal the sick. It went together. Caring for the sick was always part of Jesus' ministry. We cannot ignore the sick. In James 1 verse 27, we read that the biblical definition of true religion before God is to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. We're called to be the salt of the earth, not the salt of the salt shaker, the salt of the earth. We're not just to be the light of the church, we're to be the light of the world. We have been taught to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, you can be sure God's will is not being done on this earth. While his name is being blasphemed, while babies are being murdered, and while children are being pornographized by this comprehensive sexuality education in state schools, how can it be God's will for so much evil to transpire? And yet many Christians want to hide behind just preach the gospel. All we can do is pray. No, prayer is a foundation for action. It's not an excuse for inactivity. It was love for God that motivated us to stand up against the legalization of blasphemy. It was love for a neighbor that motivated us to organize outreaches outside escort agencies and brothels. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. This verse in Ephesians 5.11 led us to march to Parliament multiple times and to protest the legalization of pornography in our country, and attempts to legalize modern-day slavery, human trafficking, and prostitution. This Mavericks, which has been proven to be involved in human trafficking, is directly opposite from the central police station in downtown Cape Town. Insane. Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will make a stand for me against the workers of iniquity? Hate evil, love good. Maintain justice in the courts. Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. From the very beginning, as Africa Christian Action was launched 30 years ago, there were those who resisted the court action. You cannot legislate morality, insisted many. However, all legislation forces some version of morality. Either the state will exercise the wrath of God against sin, or it will exercise the wrath of man against God and against God's people. Either legislation protects babies from the violence of abortion and the injustice of abortion, because every abortion stops at beating heart. Every abortion is murder. Or, as we see happening now, legislation will be designed to penalize and prosecute medical professionals who are conscience objectors to participate in taking of innocent life. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, He'll obey my teaching. It's been observed, and again, it's a very insulting, but this is, again, quoting from military intelligence, 5% of people think. 15% of people think they think, and 80% of people never think. Well, this is something to bear in mind. 5% think, 15% think they think, 80% never think. For those who think, we need books and seminars, conferences and documentation. A lot of people say to me, why do you bother with books and libraries? You know, not that many people read. Well, these are designed for the 5%. <laughs> for the 15%, leaflets and video documentaries are needed. For the 80%, you're down to sound bites, slogans, T-shirts, and bumper stickers. But those are important too. Every movement needs to mobilize every section of society, starting with leadership training, books and seminars, going through leaflets and documentaries, but not neglecting the slogans 
sound bites and social media. Think of it, every movement, for good or ill, French Revolution, liberty, equality, fraternity, American War of Independence, give me liberty or give me death. But there were also the books that were studying in defense of liberty against tyrants, Lex Rex. There's always, from Martin Luther's Reformation with the five solas, which, by the way, you'll notice we've now got a stained glass window type of the five solas as you go down the uh, stairwell uh, on our windows, reminding us of the five solas, the battle cries that mobilized the Reformation. Sola Scriptura, Sola Gracia, Sola Fidi, Solus Christus, Soli Dio Gloria. These are the battle cries that launched a Reformation. We need slogans too. And life begins at conception. Abortion is murder. Speak up for those who can speak for themselves. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. We make billboards and trailers and radio programs super important. For 26 years now, we've been on Salt Night and Radio Tigerberg. Trumpets, like the Christian Action Newsletters, do help yourself on both the piano and table at the entranceway. The Christian action's been a major source of blowing the trumpet and alerting people. And, of course, books. Our goal is to inform, yes, and to inspire, yes, but always to involve. The information is to lead to inspiration, is to lead to involvement. We want to educate people, but we also want to enlist them. We want to motivate them, but we want to mobilize people to action. I remember somebody saying to me, a pastor actually, saying, why do you have the word action in the name of Africa Christian Action. She said, because we believe it's important for people to be in action. We want feet to the faith. And I remember people asking, why do you have the sword in your, uh, M- your banner for Frontline Fellowship? Say, the scripture speaks about the sword of the spirit and uh, the word of God. So we're in a spiritual warfare. It, it, it looks very aggressive, I was told. Uh, we're living in such a passive uh, pansified society now where even words like action and even a symbol of a sword and the word is offensive to people. Raw information, such as makes up the majority of newspapers, is cheap. Information is cheap. But understanding is valuable. However, participation is most precious. And that's why Africa Christian Action is important. Getting people involved, empowering their evangelism. We need to renew minds instead of remove them, renew minds, transform lives, and make disciples by teaching obedience to all things that the Lord has commanded. We desperately need reformation and revival. There are two extremes we're facing. Facing the threat of secular humanism and the new world disorder, well said, attempts to rebuild Babylon and privileges for perverts. Many people respond in one of two extremes. There are those who deny that any problem exists, and there are those who declare that there's no hope. Well, to deny reality and to claim that there's no problem is to fail to recognize the depravity of man. Mankind is in rebellion to Almighty God, and it's impossible to violate God's laws without serious and disastrous consequences. On the other hand, those who claim that there's no hope are failing to take into account the sovereignty of God, the power of the Word of God, and the power of prayer, or should I say the power of God's answers to our prayers. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yes, there are problems, but there is hope. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. One of the most important priorities is to ensure that young people understand the times, know what God's people should do in the face of Marxist revolution, psychological warfare, and intimidation. 
going to schools, ministering in assemblies, getting into the classroom. This is an important part of our work. And one of the most important is Biblical Worldview Summits, which also celebrates this year 30 years of Biblical Worldview Summits. To ensure that our young people do not go into a hostile world without the weapons, the insights, the resources needed to enable them to fight the good fight of faith, to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. We've been running Biblical Worldview Summits, often at Simon's Town, at Rockland's campsite, which has really been a very popular site, and PT, we believe in stretching minds, stretching muscles, getting people out of the comfort zone, debating skill games like just a minute, Bible drill, exams, Bible exams and so on, also an important part. And through the years, we've been training large groups of people who've been making a good influence in many areas of life. It's so important that we know how to defend ourselves in argument, practically, we're living in a hostile world, to think critically, to enjoy nature, to work as teams, to know how to work together and how to enjoy God's creation, how to build up our body to be able to overcome obstacles. Obstacles are only there to be overcome. They're not there to stop us. And that's why we had obstacle courses in the army is how can we reach higher? How can we go further? How can we stretch ourselves? We can do more. We can aim for better. And working as teams, how we can be able to worship more effectively, how we can learn to understand the times, how we can know what God's people should do. So the Biblical Worldview Summits have been a very key part of it. Because unlike what the communists say, we're not just reactionaries. We are not just counter-revolutionaries. We're reformers. We are working according to a biblical agenda. We're rebuilding the walls, applying the Lord of Christ to all areas of life. We're not just reacting to what the enemy does, which is why at the early days, I think we did a lot of reacting. We were running off, they've got a gay film festival here, and we've got this. But then after a while, no, we start to set our own agenda. Our life chains, our biblical worldview summits, our marches for life. We, we set our agenda because we are working to not just be a counter-revolutionary, we're working to reform society, praying for revival. And that's why home education became super important. And spreading these messages throughout Africa, we now have in a Christian Action Network over 7 million members, 7,000 congregations across 19 countries in Africa. We've done biblical worldview seminars throughout Nigeria, the Congo, Zambia, Kenya, many places. In fact, our biggest attendance at BWSs have always been in the Congo, Nigeria, and Sudan. You can't possibly be as effective back home as we are far afield. The further away from Cape Town we go, the more popular we are, um, actually. But this is, I think, so much that we can teach is from our camps and courses we teach our people to get out of their comfort zone and to overcome fears and to be able to be brave and bold for Christ. And so these Biblical Worldview Summits, which we hold every year, are a crash course on worldviews and a biblical response to the issues of our day. And so plan to send your young people to this life-transforming event. We call to be more than conquered through Christ Jesus who loves us. We've got a Great Commission course coming up soon and June the 25th, we start a three-year Great Commission course. But those who can't get to Biblical Worldview Summits can at least benefit from the audiovisual, data, video, PowerPoints, many other activities like that. Women's Day Outreaches have also been an important part of the work. Missions in the mall. The scripture says in Proverbs 1, does not wisdom cry, does not understanding raise a voice on the heights, along the way, where the paths meet. She takes a stand besides the gates leading into the city at the entrances, she cries aloud. 
And so it's so important for us to go into the marketplaces, the shopping centers, and when they stopped us going into shopping centers, um, most shopping centers this year, we still got into a few, we went to the traffic lights in the streets. When we couldn't do our um, March for Life this year, we had Stand for Life, so different traffic lights. We probably reached more people. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain.